mystery in five songs with host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello once again. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, this is the third of a trilogy here. This is episode 220. We're calling this Hair Metal Skips by 70s Bands. Um, So the idea here is that we've had... Um, 218 was hair metal wins by 70s bands um, and this uh, and 219 was fails so what we looked at here was the 70s bands that um, that participated in hair metal and did pretty well either commercially or creatively or both we looked at fails uh, which is ones that tried to do hair metal and basically fell uh, you know flat on their face sort of thing I believe that's kind of how everything uh, came out in in 219 and I kind of knew this would be the most interesting one of these hang on let me just change that I always do this on my document where I I don't change the episode number so um So yeah, the idea here, uh, I knew this was kind of going to be the most interesting one because uh, we're going to look at a bunch of bands from the 70s that essentially skipped the hair metal things in various ways to varying degrees. Maybe they participated on one album a little bit, uh, that kind of thing. So it's kind of looking at the absence uh, of going down the hair metal route. Um, And I would say in, you know, in pretty much uh, every uh, occasion here, uh, it was a good idea uh, to not do that. Maybe, maybe a little, maybe not. Um, but, uh, you know, commendable, I, I think is a word that comes to mind in terms of, Hey, you didn't, you didn't, uh, adopt this new trend that was blowing up basically 1983 to 1991, 1992. There were a lot of gold and platinum and multi-platinum albums being, uh, being notched up, uh, in this whole hair metal thing. And, uh, and these are bands from the 70s that looked at that and generally decided against it, I guess, is, uh, is the way you would put it. Uh, but let's see how all these pan out here. Uh, so again, the, the funny thing is an absence here. And, you know, why are we talking? Is there, is there a bit of a logical uh, disconnect in saying, well, they didn't do hair metal. Why are we talking about them? They didn't do, you know, you know what I mean? Um, so, but uh, a lot of interesting concepts did kind of uh, come up along the way here. Uh, every track I've picked here except one band uh, is almost picked to undermine my argument a little bit uh, because, you know, why Why would I play you a song by any of these bands that had nothing to do with hair metal, which is most of them, right, sort of thing. So I wanted to show uh, going a little bit down that route so we can say, look, how, how did they respond uh, to this big hair metal thing? So, uh, okay, let's play our first one here. Take a listen to this. This is Motorhead with Stand. All right, so what is the Motorhead situation? So basically, uh, Orgasmatron comes out 
July 1986, produced by Bill Laswell. Funny story for you, I actually got to interview Bill Laszlo, uh, Laswell because when I was doing the Ramones book, he produced a Ramones album or two. I'm not sure. Um, I can't remember, but uh, but basically, uh, I, I got all these interviews uh, to do with this Ramones book. I did this big coffee table Ramones book. Uh, but anyways, here he is producing a Motorhead album to really no effect, you know, being a, a uh, you know, an intellectual kind of producer guy didn't make much difference. It basically came out like Motorhead. So the idea is Orgasmatron, July 1986. Uh, Motorhead is basically being Motorhead. Uh, it, it sounds like uh, the band we know and love. Rock and Roll comes out August 1987. Uh, it's a little more, um, it's a little happier, a little, um, it's, it's one of these that is looked down upon, uh, in the catalog, uh, somewhat, um, 1916, uh, it comes out January 91, March or Die, what, uh, where this song is from comes out August 1992, so we're definitely a little late in the hair metal thing, but, um, I wanted to point out that, uh, so how does Motorhead respond to this? This uh, this hair metal thing. Probably the most significant thing that happens is Lemmy moves to uh, to Los Angeles. You know, he's living right around the corner in that cluttered apartment. Uh, you know, from the Rainbow, he's spotted. He's always down at the Rainbow. You know, playing playing the slot machines or video games or whatever he does down there. Uh, maybe it's both. Um, but uh, you know, this is a significant thing. So he's he's there in the cradle of hair metal. He's there in the cradle of the business. Uh, the other significant thing that happens is he writes some songs for Ozzy Osbourne and and makes a good chunk of change. He always jokes that he made more money off of that than he did off of Motorhead. Um, you know, having a few Ozzy songs. So Ozzy is right there in the cradle of all this as well. And, and there are some hair metal things happening to Ozzy. So, so this is all pretty significant, but March or Die. So, so the idea is around these albums that we don't really appreciate a lot from Motorhead. Um, I guess arguably Rock and Roll 1916 and March or Die, but mostly March or Die. It's got that crappy album cover, which is kind of black and white. I think it's got a little red on it. Um, we did an album cover show recently on The Contrarians, and I pointed it out as a bad one um, that just looks like a lot of other Motorhead album covers, only weaker, and that's kind of a metaphor for the album. It's kind of, as you can hear in this song, Stand, um, so the production is pretty cleaned up. Uh, you've got Tommy Aldridge drumming on all tracks, I think, except one. Um, so this is one of the one of the cleaner sounding Motorhead albums. Uh, you can hear kind of the melody and Lemmy. Uh, you know, there's there's a little bit of California infecting his vocal melodies. Uh, I think on this album, so it's a little more melodic album. It's a little happier. Uh, there's some boogie woogie on it. It's a little accessible. Um, a very sort of Holly Rock move is uh, is the novelty cover. So you've got Ted Nugent, Cat Scratch Fever on here. Um, you've got I Ain't No Nice Guy, uh, which is an acoustic ballad. Um, so that's that's a Holly Rock move, right? Trying to get the ballad going. Um, you've got Hellraiser on here, which is also in the Aussie, and it's it's to me sounds like a little bit of a hair metally song. You've got uh, Too Good to Be True is kind of melodic. You got You You Better Run, which is your I'm 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 a man sort of. Um, you know, big bluesy boogie things basically sounds like stripper pole music, right? Um, so there are some things uh, where I would say, uh, you know, 
it, it, you know, the, the short language, the narrative is uh, March or Die sort of Motorhead's hair metal album. But, um, you know, really, when it comes down to it, uh, you, you play all these albums in a row. There's a lot of standard Motorhead on here. You know, there's there's not brain keyboards and, and you know, Lemmy hasn't done a whole hair metal transformation. Uh, the band still looks like Motorhead. The album covers still look like Motorhead. So basically, um, Motorhead uh, commendably stays away from the hair metal thing. I mean, it wasn't like uh, like Lemmy was going to go wholesale that way. But, you know, Lemmy did sell out a little bit, right? You know, he's uh, he's not averse to, uh, uh, you know, succumbing to some of the uh, the industry's wiles. And he, and he sort of does uh, succumb a little bit to it. So, uh, so, you know, to the theme of this episode, hair metal skips by 70s bands. Um, I, th- I think Motorhead is, is squarely a skip on the whole hair metal thing. Let's take a short break and we'll be... Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. right back all right back again here episode 220 hair metal skips by 70s bands um let's take a listen to our second selection here and we shall discuss this is deep purple with too much is not enough Okay, so the story with Deep Purple is that um, it's kind of an interesting thing that goes on here. So so Richie Blackmore kind of sets up the whole hair metal thing with the Joe Lynn Turner era of Rainbow. It's pre-hair metal, but it is really leaning in that direction. And had Rainbow stayed together, um, they very likely would have been quite hair metal-y. Uh, they probably would have worked with a big producer. There'd be, uh, you know, there'd be a transformation to hair metal style keyboards. Joe Lynn Turner fits in this whole thing. I swear they'd probably start dressing that way. Um, 
So it's kind of interesting, but what happens instead is Deep Purple reforms and we get Perfect Strangers, uh, October 1984. And I really don't think there's any sort of uh, giving into really any kind of... um, 80s tropes at all. This is the other thing I like about this episode because we're going to just discuss 80 tropes in general. Um, I, I think you you definitely get accessible songs. You get good sober production. It's it's uh, modern production, but it's not it's not you know egregiously 80s production. You just get a good um, you know up to date version of uh, Mark II Deep Purple with Perfect Strangers. I think that continues with the House of Blue Lights. So January 1987, we're definitely, definitely into, um, you know, the middle of hair metal doing amazing. Uh, you know, 86, 87, 88, 89 are, are probably the biggest years for the whole thing. All the, the excitement year is 83 into 84. Um, so this song is from Slaves and Masters, October 1990. Obviously, Jolyn Turner is singing this. Jolyn Turner is in the band. So this is the Deep Rainbow album, right? So this is this is almost like that, that rainbow version, that pre hair metal that nascent hair metal sound that midwest that midwest hard rock sound the sammy hager sound the night ranger sound a little bit um and it's also the bad company with brian howe hair metal sound so we talked about bad company that would have been on the in the hair metal wins by 70s band episode and uh and you and this song you know you hear the cowbell you hear the paul rogers brian howe vocal phrasings um it's just kind of like big slightly bluesy rootsy stadium rock so it's very american sounding this song um so yeah so i i think uh, i i wanted to pick something from the most hair metally album slaves and masters um that that shows uh like I say, it's it's almost like they're on their own path, but that path has something to do with hair metal, put it that way. So the Deep Rainbow album is really the follow-up uh, in a big, big way to... Uh to uh, what what you might call it, uh, bent out of shape, right? Um, and then, so what happens after this? Um, they are they are fully a, a skip in another way too. And that the next album isn't until 1993. It's the battle rages on. Jolyn Turner is out. Ian Gillen is back, and uh, they basically do another squarely uh, follow up to House of Blue Light and Perfect Strangers. It's even more gritty hard rock, uh, I would say, than those two. So. Commendable again is the word I would use for Deep Purple. They did not succumb to this. Uh, to to my mind, it reminds me a little bit of the Aerosmith situation, where uh, it's commendable uh, what they did. They they remained Aerosmith. Uh, they added about a ten percent to fifteen percent hair metal sheen on what they did, and then they just cleaned up. They did amazing, multi multi platinum albums all through there. You know, we talked all about that. But the funny thing is, I think Deep Purple on a creative level is kind of in that same place. They 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 retained eighty five percent of their Deep Purpleness. Uh, maybe adjusted a tiny tiny bit for the eighties. Um, with Aerosmith, it was it was bells and whistles and power ballads. With Deep Purple, it was just slightly more commercial songs, slightly more bluesy, slightly more Americana songs. Only on this one album, and uh, and you know, good solid nineteen eighties modern production values, but but none of the problems. So yeah, squarely, I would say Deep Purple is a uh, a hair metal skip uh, by a seventies band um, when it comes to hair metal. Okay, let's play our third selection. We shall discuss. This is Black Sabbath with Angry Heart. Hey! 
All right, so the deal with Black Sabbath is, are they a skip? I would say they are definitely a skip. Um, you've got Born Again in September 1983. That is the absolute uh, poison, uh, antithetical, polar opposite of a hair metal album um, in 1983. So it's not like they're feeling any any whiff of trying to be commercial. It's not keyboardy. It's not Midwest heartland rock. Uh, it's not uh, a traditional pre-hair metal album. It's, uh, it's super heavy and brutal. But... You get to Seventh Star, which uh, this song is off of, January 1986. You've got Glenn Hughes in there, so he's doing kind of the Jolyn Turner thing, the crossover voice, the kind of guy that could fit in the hair metal world. Um, this song I wanted to play more than the other ones because I think this is uh, a hair metal song. I think this really feels like um, a a hard rock so, so a hair metal song. It feels like a, a hard rock song that fits in the whole hair metal thing. Frankly, it sounds like a song that could have fit on Slaves and Masters. I could totally imagine Joe Lynn Turner singing this. I would love to, you know, this whole AI thing, it's going to be really interesting, but I would love to hear Joe Lynn Turner sing this whole album. I would love to hear, uh, hey, AI, uh, make me uh, make me uh, a Slaves and Masters album with Glenn Hughes singing every song. Uh, that, that kind of thing, right? Or David Coverdale even. Wouldn't that be cool, right? Uh, um, so yeah, I, there's, there's a lot of cool imaginative things. The mind boggles, but it wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool to, uh, to, to hear this? Uh, you know, and frankly, uh, you know, you could say, Hey, AI, uh, make me a deep purple hair metal album. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be cool? A whole album of, uh, trying to see what deep purple would sound like if they went hair metal, right? Um, you know, you'd have to come up with a bunch more prompts or whatever, but as time goes on, we might be seeing these things. Um, so yeah, uh, Angry Heart is a good choice for that reason. Uh, but we also have on here Heart Like a Wheel. So there's your, uh, stripper pole, you know, uh, down on the Sunset Strip sort of stripper song, um, off of this album. Uh, you know, big, big blues ballad. You've got No Stranger to Love, which is a power ballad. So that totally fits on this. Um, so this is the only one. So this is the one that leans that way. It's their Slaves and Masters album. But um, I think once Tony Martin comes into the band, you've got The Eternal Idol in 1987. You've got Headless Cross in 1989. Tear in 1990. And then Dehumanizer in, in June 92. So the interesting thing with Black Sabbath is that they are absolutely participating in the rock and roll business full on during hair metal, right? But what are they doing? They're they're on small labels. They're having lineup changes. They're not selling any records. This whole Tony Martin thing isn't particularly working. But what I find interesting about Black Sabbath and the cross-sectionality with hair metal is that I feel like on Eternal Idol and Headless Cross and to a lesser extent tier, you do get uh, this idea of... Um, Let's have some songs that are as commercial as the most commercial Dio songs. So you think of Sacred Heart or, uh, or um, you know, uh, what, what do you got? Mystery and Rainbow in the Dark. I feel like um, there are some songs here that have light and shade, uh, that have keyboardiness, uh, that have Tony Martin uh, on these songs that are... Um, you know they're they're still very Euro and doomy and power metally and and British, um, you know and and Tony Martin, uh, you know definitely uh, is is a imitator of Dio vocal melodies and Dio vocal melodies even though he's an American guy from upstate New York, um, and you know significantly living in L.A. Um, later on. Um, but but he's he's uh, he's an Anglophile and it's it's very you know very British in what he's doing. So so what I what I find interesting is that um, 
you almost get uh, you you get the the Tony Martin era is almost like a um, a Tony Martin version of Black Sabbath. Fine, um, but it is it is a little commercial and it is a little uh, leaning towards hair metal, almost like the Dio uh, definition of hair metal, which is again very very slight. Um, so it's not really there. And then when when Dehumanizer happens, uh, there's n- absolutely nothing hair metal about that. That is like a a a slow Dio era Dio album, right? That's that's a lock up the wolves, um, strange highways, angry machines sort of album. Uh, more of a Dio album than a Sabbath album. Uh, very extreme harsh production from Mac. Uh, much more harsh than he would do for Queen or Billy Squire. Um, so yeah, that has nothing to do with hair metal. So um, all told, I would say uh, Black Sabbath. You would have to call them a hair metal skip. Um, and like I say, the only times it feels a little bit like that way is Seventh Star, but Seventh Star has an OTT sort of song on it. But you know, OTT is even, even something that's pretty hair metal. You know what I mean? Fast, double bass. Um, you think of Get Up and, uh, Van, uh, uh, David Lee Roth, Elephant Gun, um, you know, and many, many hair metal albums think, oh, we got to put that super fast one with double bass on it too. So, so that, that is a hair metal thing, but you've got that, you've got an Egypto sort of song, hair metal bands do an Egypto sort of song uh, as well too so yeah that's kind of the funny thing about that record um, it, it touches down on a lot of spots that, that fit in there, but I would say overall what Black Sabbath decides to do is, uh, is become more of a mainstream heavy metal band um, so that's that's the only way that they will lean into hair metal. They won't go too far. They dressed a little bit that way. Remember this era, you know, Glenn Hughes put the makeup on and they've got the fringe jackets and stuff and Tony put a little makeup on, right? Uh, teased his hair up a little bit. So so um, so they leaned a tiny bit that way, but I would say overall they are a skip. Uh, I just wanted to discuss Ozzy a little bit uh, in this uh, department here. Um I would say Ozzy is a combination of a hair metal win and a hair metal skip. Um, the, the way he's a win uh, is that he kind of participates. We always talk about The Ultimate Sin as, uh, as Ozzy's hair metal album. They definitely, definitely dress hair metal. And I wonder if that had a little bit to do with their manager being a female, right? Um, you know, basically... Um, the idea of uh, of Sharon uh, probably being the most enthusiastic supporter of uh, let's try out these clothes, right? Um, and they definitely tried out the clothes and the makeup. They look they look pretty ridiculous for a little while there, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so that one's a little bit that way. Um, but you know. Uh, I I would not I would say no rest for the wicked is not particularly hair metal. They do a few things. I guess the point I want to make. Well, also no more tears. Definitely does some hair metal things. You've got the big power ballads, the big production, the big stadium rock thing. Um, but the interesting thing about the Aussie band is that they almost take, uh, they almost draw equal amounts and not a lot, but equal amounts from grunge as they do from hair metal. Um, and, you know, they do great in hair metal as well with No More Tears, I think, does fit in this, and it is certainly a win. But I would say overall, uh, you, you don't particularly get that out of Bark of the Moon. You don't get it out of No Rest for the Wicked. And even Ultimate Sin and No More Tears uh, are only um, a little bit hair metal-y. Um, but the point I wanted to make that I think is an interesting point is that um, when some of these bands are adjacent enough to hair metal, I mean, hair metal has the term metal in the, in the name, right? So when you're adjacent enough to hair metal, um, 
you you can look at this two ways. You could say we will adjust and we will go hair metal, or um, aren't we lucky that uh, what we do essentially fits anyways? So let's not change at all. Um, so I think that's what you kind of get with a band like Ozzy, where 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 they say, hey, look. We're actually in a good place anyways. We kind of set this whole thing up uh, with our, our our melodic new wave of British heavy metal sound and our just uh, quite interesting commercial sound that we got out of Blizzard of Oz and... Um, and Diary of a Madman, and uh, and we were just doing our thing on Bark at the Moon, and uh, and yet it again fit. It it fits in this uh, crossover year uh, where metal's moving from the UK over over to America. Totally fits. Um, let's just kind of do the same thing again, but let's 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 pander a little bit on on the ultimate sin, and then I think No Rest for the Wicked is a little bit of a correction. So the whole idea. Is that these guys kind of fit anyways, so they don't have to uh, go. So, so Aussie again, combination of a win and a skip. Let's move on to our fourth selection. Take a listen to this. This is ACDC with Mean Streak. Okay, so uh, this is another band that totally fits this argument of we're adjacent enough um, that we don't really have to change. And not like ACDC was going to change anyways. I think they have a philosophy... Uh, that that said, um, we're above we're above these other things. We're just ACDC. We're just going to do what we do. We don't need to change because we are. Look look how proven we are. We're a massive massive band kind of thing. But again, um, I think they found themselves in a fortunate position that their music fit this anyways. It's it's party rock. It's about it's about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Not not so much drugs. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's just uh, it's it's got a little bit of a southern vibe. Which which fits in with everything. So let's go through it. So flick of the switch, August '83. There's really no pandering to anything. It's a pretty heavy album. It's in fact heavier than the previous two. Um, so this is the first year of hair metal. They're just being ACDC. Great. I love that album. Fly on the uh, Fly on the Wall, uh, June '85. So hair metal's big. They're probably starting to panic a little bit. Other bands are getting all the press. Uh, they're they're feeling a little bit like also Rans. Uh, Flick of the Switch didn't do that great. Um, but uh, but basically, you know, this this I think leans a little bit to uh, some hair metal tropes. I actually pulled this one out here. What do we got here? Shake Your Foundations, First Blood, Sink the Pink felt like a little bit of a hair metal song. Playing with Girls, uh, you're start starting to feel a little pandering there. Hell or High Water. Um, so yeah, you stand up, right? Um, so there's there's a little bit of anthemicness. There's a little bit of triteness in the lyrics. Um but, you know, I don't think that, that it's an act of pandering to hair metal. It's still very rough production. Brian's voice is super rough. That's the other thing. I mean, I think this band looks at themselves and say, we don't look like those hair metal poodle guys. We don't look like Poison. We're never going to look like Poison. Let's not even try. ACDC really didn't go at all for the clothes sort of thing. I, I like to joke um, that 
you know, the most they got into hair metal fashion was Angus's jacket, you know, was a purple plush jacket at one point, and his hair got a little longer and a little more poofier. But really, this is a band that did not, um, you know, pander on that end of it. Uh, but I wanted to play a song here that was from Blow Up Your Video, January 1988. This went platinum, Flying the Wall went platinum, Flick of the Switch went platinum. Um, you know, so so they're doing okay, but not great. Um, so I wanted to play a song that uh, I felt was from the album where the panic really sets in a little more, and I start hearing a little more of those hair metal uh, melodies out of Brian. They're they're probably saying smooth it out, be a little more accessible. Um, I think the production is a little smoother on this one. It's crappy production, but it is a little smoother. You're back with the Vanda Young team. I took out this album as well. Um, I think the lyrics. I so so. This song, I find it's a little bit stripper pole sounding, so that fits your Sunset Strip. Sunset Strip, uh, Heat Seeker, I feel is a little hair metally. That's the way I want to rock and roll. Just hate that title. A Go Zone, Kissing Dynamite. It's got some terrible, terrible song titles on here. Some Sin for Nothing, Rough Stuff. So you've got some spelling, um, spelling badly like hair metal bands would do as well. Um, so I feel like this one uh, does uh, feel um, the, the one that's uh, that's just a little bit taken a little nod it's 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 adding that 10 percent of hair metal to it um then the band comes back with the razor's edge september 1990 huge return goes five times platinum they're doing amazing at this point right um but again i don't feel uh it's really any pandering to hair metal you do have bruce fairburn in there that you know this is now a vancouver band right they're they're going to vancouver to record and stuff um so you got a little bit of that crossover um it is a really tight production you've got that that really slappy bass drum on on what chris slade has there um so yeah, it's it's up to modern standards, but it's still absolutely ACDC in every way. So this is a band, uh, definitely, I will call this a uh, a hair metal skip by a 70s band. Um, commendable again. So let's move on. This is a conundrum. This is a weird one. Take a listen to this. This is Rush with Lock and Key. Okay, wow. Here's one. Uh, I would love to have AI a rush. Make me a hair metal. Uh, make me a hair metal rush album. Make me a hair. Uh, make me a new wave of British heavy metal rush album. Make me a thrash rush album. Wouldn't that be cool, right? That's the fascinating thing uh, that I like about this episode and thinking about Rush. So Rush could have gone various ways, right? They're coming out of the '70s as hard rock act. They could have hit twice as hard with the with the new album. They they could have uh, picked up on their proggy roots and gone progressive metal, more progressive metal, thrashier. You know, leaning towards what a Dream Theater might have done. They could have become a thrash band. Um, so it's funny. Their brains are wired a certain way that um, they're evolving. Uh, you know, in combination of being excited by this other music and going kind of keyboardy. So. You know, I just played you a song. There's no way I could even really particularly find. Oh, I'll throw that challenge to the Facebook people. Find me some Rush hair metal songs. Um, but really, I don't think they have any. I wanted to just play something that showed the direction they went in, uh, which is this chimey, fix in excess, keyboardy, electronic drums sort of direction. So this is a uh, this is an, an emphatic and a different kind of skip for a '70s band uh, when it comes to hair metal. Rush absolutely skipped this thing. They ran completely in the other 
other direction. They didn't they didn't particularly dress the part. They dressed a little more upscale uh, 80s. You know, they do, did have the kind of the Miami Vice suit sort of thing. But yeah, Grace Under Pressure 1984, they're just being rushed. Power Windows 1985 October uh, they're still there they're being this new rush um, but they still got some kind of heaviness in the guitars hold your fire things get even a little mellower September 87 Presto November 89 roll the bone September 1991 that goes platinum they get a bit of a return all these other ones are kind of gold well hold your fire and Presto went gold but again uh, the interesting thing I find here is like Black Sabbath, they are absolutely participating in the music business while hair metal is going on, right? Uh, they're making lots and lots of records and they're going on tour, um, but they are, they got nothing to do with this whole hair metal thing. They are into this small wee production, small guitars, uh, you know, odd, tight, trebly, screechy, high, toppy recordings. Um, and, uh, and Neil's writing these kind of like shorter haiku-like lyrics, uh, still, you know, Mr. Wisdom kind of lyrics. Um, but uh, but everything's squeezed into short songs. There's no long epics and all that stuff anymore. So that's the funny thing about uh, about Rush when it comes to this. Um, so yeah, Rush and absolutely a, uh, a uh, what are we calling this? A hair metal skip by a 70s band. I just wanted to mention a couple other things in this category. You know, what did other prog bands do? You don't expect prog bands to go hair metal, but, um, you know, let's talk about 80s sort of things. So Kansas is an interesting case that that they remind me. So you get drastic measures in 83. You've got power in 86, in the spirit of things in 88. Then there's a long break to 1995. But here they are completely um, participating in this. So they're definitely... Um, a skip, but they're also a bit of a, a fail in that Southern sort of thing. So they they do kind of what the Southern rock bands do. And they, they interestingly, I went through all these and, and played all this again, and I found a lot of commonality with Rush. Uh, they really went in the electronic uh, direction. There's a lot of that on here. I love Drastic Measures, but these other ones are really, really, they're poppy, they're keyboardy, um, they're AOR. Um, so, so yeah, they, they ran the other way. They skipped hair metal. They did not do hair metal, but they did eighties tropes, right? So that's kind of the interesting thing there. Um, yes is a funny one. Uh, you could say they adopted 80 tropes, uh, in a big way. And I, I think it, you know, uh, big generator, uh, yeah, that's what it's called, right? Uh, uh, feels like the one that's the big stadium rocking. You've got hair metal guitar sounds a little bit, Def Leppardy sort of sounds, um, big huge drums. Um, so in that in that respect, and they're they're kind of it's kind of a heavy album. Uh, but then yeah, it's a long time to the next one. It's a long time since the past one. So they're they're kind of a skip, but they've got some '80s tropes. Um, Genesis just becomes very AOR and poppy, so they're absolutely a skip too. There's really nothing hair metal about them, but they definitely have 80s tropes. They have Genesis in 83, Invisible Touch in 86, We Can't Dance in 91. So they're spreading the albums apart. They're kind of a skip. They're kind of a skip in the we're not making a lot of records, and they're a skip in that they didn't really, you know, lean on this uh, sound at all. Um, other honorable mentions. Nazareth, Sound Elixir 83, The Catch in 84, Cinema in 86, Snakes and Ladders in 89, No Jive in 91. Totally participating, 
totally kind of making pop records. They could have gone hair metal super easily, but they didn't. They could have gone heavier. We've all talked about that. Riot is an interesting case. Born in America, 83. They're kind of setting up this whole hair metal thing, but they lose Rhett Forrester. Uh, Thundersteel in 88. Mark Reali gets a whole different band. Tony Moore is singing. You've got uh, Don Van Stavern and Bobby Jarzon back. Um, but they actually go heavier. So they go Thundersteel in 88 and The Privileged Power in 90. Um, these are these are almost records that kind of are an American version of power metal, progressive metal, technical metal. Um, so they so they're leaning hair metal. You know, even Fire Down Under and Narita, you could say we are in a perfect position to capitalize on this hair metal thing big time. Um, but they don't. Um, you know, they lose Rhett. Um, there's a long gap from '83 to '88, so they sit out the early days of hair metal, and then they come back and they're not hair metal. Um, status quo is a funny one. Back to back '83 in the army now. '86 ain't complaining. '88 perfect remedy. '89 rock till you drop. '91 so they're making records through this whole thing, but they're just basically being poppy status quo. Uh, through this whole thing. Uh, so they're a skip. Uh, ZZ Top, um, I would say they're a skip. Eliminator 83, Afterburner 85, Recycler 90. They have the 80s tropes going, um, but they're basically being a modern version of the old ZZ Top. Um, there's nothing particularly hair metal about what they're doing. There is some ballad making in there, um, but yeah, they're just too weird and on this phenomenal, cool, super successful trip uh, through the 80s that really doesn't have anything to do with hair metal. They don't dress hair metal, of course. Um, Foreigner is a funny one, um, mostly by sitting it out, um, but you know they're adjacent to hair metal anyways, um, so they just kind of do what they do, but they have Agent uh, Provocateur, uh, Triple Platinum in 84, Inside Information, Lou Graham is still there in 87, goes Platinum, Unusual Heat, Johnny Edwards is singing 1991, this is where they're sort of the... The, uh, the Brian Howe version of Bad Company at this point. So they're spreading out the albums in a big way, but they're kind of participating, um, but they're kind of a skip because they're just doing Foreigner, which which kind of fit anyways. Um, Accept is a funny one. It's mostly a sitting it out. Um, metal Heart really has no pandering to hair metal. Maybe it's a little melodic uh, here and there. Screaming for Love Bite, I just love that song. Kind of fits a little bit. Um, a Midnight Mover, maybe a little bit, um, but I, I think that's that's my favorite Accept album. Uh, I think they're basically being a traditional metal band. Russian Roulette's even heavier, self-produced. Um, there's no pandering to hair metal. Eat the Heat in 89, they get David Reese. Sure, it's uh, it's basically a hair metal album, um, but then there's a long gap to Objection Overruled. David Reese is out. Udo is back. Um, so all the way to 93, not hair metal at all, more like a dark, doomy, a little bit grungy sort of sound. So they're a combination of they tried it, but they didn't try it for all that much. Um, their hearts weren't really in it. And really eat the heat. Um, as my good buddy Rich Daven Davenport explained to me when he talked to Stefan Kaufman, that album was just killed by being overproduced. So it's not like... like had they not done all that, it probably wouldn't have been as hair metal-y sounding uh, as it was. He talks about guitar tracks being left out and stuff. Boston is a funny one. Um, they're, they're a hair metal skip mostly by sitting it out. Uh, they basically go from 1978 for their second album to third stage in 1986, and then Walk On is 1994. So they're just gone, right? They're, they make one album. But like Foreigner, they just kind of fit. They don't have to change because they fit anyways. Um, so you could just be Boston and, and you're kind of in it. Um, so that's that. Um, boy, another long episode. I'm really going long on some of these, right? Uh, if you like the show and want to support future episodes, go to ko 
ko-fi.com uh, slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or pint. This is another one where I haven't posted a message on Facebook. It's the off week. Um, so short list of people to thank, but I thank you all uh, just the same. Um, so I want to thank Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Lee Clifford, Gustin Garcia de Predis, Steve Polari, and William Walker. Thank you all. Um, book situation, there's a lot going on. Um, the Hawkwind is now a soft cover, updated. Um, the visual biography, same with the Nazareth. Uh, these just came in yesterday. Um, there's the Bluish Gold panel book. Uh, and uh, the Who book should be in stock soon. The big, fancy, plush, in-slipcase, hardcover celebration of Quadrophedia. You can go to martinpopoff.com for all that. I sign them, send them, ship them out, PayPal buttons and all that. Um, so, yeah, there you go. That That is our episode 220, Hair Metal Skips by 70s Bands. Um, you know, and for your homework, uh, go go play some of that Riot stuff. That's quite an interesting story. Um, go play Born in America and uh, ponder with me the what if. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.